Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. All right, I love you. God bless you. We started a new uh, message a couple of weeks ago on the truth shall make you free from John chapter 8. If you want to turn there, we're going to go there again. We begin in verse 30, John chapter 8, verse 30 through verse 32, uh, where the scripture says, as he spoke these words, many believed on him. As Jesus was teaching and ministering the word of God, many Jews believed on him. And then Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we talked about this. You know what? The truth will make you free, but it's a process. You've got to believe it, right? Receive it. Amen? And not only believe it and receive it, but he says, continue in it. As you believe it, receive it, and continue in it, you'll become a disciple, a disciplined Jew. You'll become a doer of the word, and, and the truth will make you free. In fact, while I was out mowing my grass this week, I got a word from God. A lot of believers want Shazam. And a lot of times the things of the kingdom of God aren't Shazam. A lot of times the things of the kingdom of God, amen, they're more like sowing and reaping. In fact, we talked about this the last time I preached in Mark chapter 4. Jesus said everything operates according to the parable of the sower, the kingdom. And he, and he basically says the sower sows the word. And when the sower sows the word, immediately Satan, the devil, the enemy comes to steal the word that was sown. How many of you know the devil is the enemy of the word? Because he knows if you get a hold of the word of God, the word of God is literally going to change your life. And it doesn't even produce fruit. That's, that's like when a farmer is going to plant his field and some seed falls out on the road on the way. The birds come and eat it. It doesn't take root. It doesn't produce a harvest. Then, when he gets to the field, some falls among the stony soil. And in the stony soil, it grows up. It looks real pretty. It looks nice. But because it doesn't have root, it doesn't have the ability to produce a harvest. These, it says, having no root in themselves. We've got to have roots that go down deep. Praise God in the Word of God. We don't want to be like that rocky soil. And when persecution and affliction comes for the Word's sake. Have you ever received persecution and affliction for the word's sake? I have. But I'm going to keep going. I'm going to stick with the word. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He, he says, but, but he says, and they have no root in themselves, and immediately they're offended. They're offended for the word's sake. I was preaching on offense while I was preaching. A man got offended over the word's sake and walked you got to watch offense. The devil wants to destroy you. He, wants, he doesn't want you to reach your God-given destiny. He doesn't, you, you've got to guard against offense. It's a major tool of the enemy. Anyway, I preach enough on that. Praise the Lord. But the next type of soil is the weedy soil. And so some, it says, were sown among the thorns, Mark chapter 4. It's also in Matthew chapter 13 and Luke chapter 8. The weedy soil is like when the and he says the weeds grow up and it chokes the seed so it becomes unfruitful. And Jesus says like when the cares of this life 
and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things come out and they choke the word and it becomes unproductive. But then there was the seed that was sown on good ground. Everybody say, I, I'm good ground. <laughs> now on the good ground, it says some brought forth 30, some 60, some a hundredfold. I believe a hundredfold ground. That's, the ground is talking about our heart. The word is talking about the seed. How many of you know the seed is consistent? The word is consistent, but our heart is what changes. And it, it has the ability to, in fact, your heart is producing a harvest. If you don't like the harvest you're getting, you got to change the seed you're allowing to remain in your heart. Some people been, you know what, they've been having the wrong kind of seed in their heart. And if they don't... Uh, Stop, they're going to have, and have a, they're not going to like the harvest they receive. So you can stop it at any time, praise God. So you've got to guard your heart. That's what Proverbs talks about. But he said, some 30, some 60, some, how many of you know that 30 is good? 60 is acceptable. But 100, that's perfect. There are a lot of people that never get to a hundredfold. There are a lot of people that never fulfill their God-given destiny and complete it. 30, good. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Acceptable and perfect will of God. God wants you to fulfill all of his will. He wants you to fulfill your destiny. So when I was mowing my grass, there a lot of people looking for Shazam. Man, they want a miracle. How many of you know miracles? I, I like miracles. Pastor Lawson, like, I've, I've seen lots of miracles. I thank God for miracles. I mean, you know, the children of Israel had a miracle every day when they were in the wilderness for 40 years. Bread and quail took a miracle to feed them every day. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. Wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, their shoes didn't wear out. That was a miracle. That, that, was, that was good. But when they went into the promised land, when they went, praise God, across the Jordan, when they went into the promised land, they ate of the old corn of the land. Guess what that meant? That meant work. That meant sowing. That meant reaping. That meant harvesting. That meant work. Now, miracles are good, right? But guess what? The blessing is better than miracles. Healing is good. I love healing. I love divine healing. The Bible says he'll restore health to us and heal us of our wounds. Jeremiah 30, verse 17. Verse 18 says this. This is a different translation. He said, and I will restore the fortunes of Jacob. That's a different translation. Hallelujah. Healing is good, but guess what? Health is better than healing. No plague will come near your dwelling, Psalm 91 says. With long life will I satisfy them and show them my salvation, it goes on to say. Third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Amen? So miracles, listen, Lawson's had lots of miracles. I've had financial miracles. I thank God for financial miracles. But guess what? The blessing is better. It's better just to operate in the blessing when just, 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 just take care of that. Amen? So the blessing is better than miracles. 
See, the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, they ate of the Passover lamb. That Jesus, our Passover, the Bible says, Christ, our Passover, is sac in the New Testament, is sacrificed for us. And, and the strength of that covenant, the power of that blood, when they came out, Psalm 105, verse 37 says, they came out with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among over two million strong. They came out wealthy, and they came out healthy. There wasn't one sick, poor, weak person among them. Over, that's over twice the population of El Paso County. That's the power of the covenant. Amen? And I'm here to tell you, I, I love miracles. I thank God I've had miracles physically. I've had miracles financially. I love miracles. But listen, the blessing is better than miracles. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And God wants you to operate in the blessing. And that's a lot what this is talking about. If you continue in my word, they believed on him. But if you continue in my word, you will be my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. God says, listen, I want you to live in true freedom. I want you to walk in true freedom. So freedom comes through believing, receiving, right, continuing in and acting on the word of God. Amen? But let me show you another way. Let's just go a little bit farther in this verse. Verse 33, then they answered him and said, we're Abraham's seed, and we were never in bondage to any man. How do you say you'll be made free? Jesus answered them and said, verily, verily, I say unto you, whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. The servant doesn't abide in the house forever, but the son abides forever. And if the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Not only does the truth... The, the truth of God's word make us free, but the truth of the gospel brings true freedom. And what is the gospel? So I'm going to talk about how the gospel makes us free, because that's what Jesus was going on to say, is what I want you to get, as I want you to get a hold of the gospel. Everybody say, the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, Paul says in Romans 1, 16 and 17, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek or the Gentile. For therein, in the gospel, the righteousness of God has been revealed from faith to faith according as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So when you look at it, the gospel, what is the gospel? The gospel, if you look at that scripture really closely, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, the gospel is the revelation of righteousness. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. For therein, in the gospel, the righteousness of God has been revealed. From faith, the faith of the Jew, to faith, the faith of the Gentile, as it is written, according as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Everybody say, faith is a lifestyle, not a movement. Keep living. By faith. Keep believing the gospel. So the gospel is the revelation of righteousness, right? And that comes by understanding the message of Jesus, the gospel, the good news. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Another word that's used for it is good news. 
the good message of Jesus, what he's already done in his death and resurrection. You see, the work's already done. Now, when Jesus starts talking about them saying, if you'll continue in my word, you'll be my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free, they have a religious argument with that. We're Abraham's seed, and we're not in bondage to any man. What are you telling us we'll be made free? We're we're already free. You're telling us you're going to be free, and we're already free. So when Jesus begins to explain this, he, he, he says, first of all, he, he says, look at this in verse 34. He says, whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. So the gospel is the message of righteousness, the revelation of righteousness, right standing with God. Right? He, what he's talking about there is freedom from sin. Now they all, as good Jews, right, understood sin. Because the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, I think it's verse 20, Paul says, By the law is the knowledge of sin. So when Jesus says whoever commits sin is the servant of sin, he takes away their argument. But Jesus is not only dealing with sin, right, and the knowledge of sin, he's also dealing with legalism. We're Abraham's seed and we've never been in bondage. So Jesus said whoever commits sin, oh, he's got them right there, right, is the servant of sin because by the law is the knowledge of sin and they know they're sinners. But listen, A knowledge of sin will never set you free from sin. Preaching the law will never set people free from sin. If if a knowledge of sin would set people free from sin, everybody in the Old Testament would have been free from sin. But it won't set you free from sin. Because all it can do, actually, the, the Bible says the law is the strength of sin in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 56. So, a knowledge of sin or preaching the law will actually make sin stronger. So so you can take the law and you can show people their need for the Savior, but the law won't save them. So Jesus said, no, they're saying we're Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage. Whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. He's got them. So the answer for sin is righteousness, right? Standing with God, right? But not only do you need freedom from sin, you also need freedom from the law. And he goes on to say, the law, look at this in verse 35. He says, the servant does not abide in the house forever, but the son abides forever. So the law in the Old Testament actually brought people into slavery. It brought them into bondage, right? But grace brings people into freedom. Jesus brought people into freedom. And so he says, The servant doesn't abide in the house forever, but the son abides forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So you not only only need to be set free from sin, you also got to be set free from legalism. You need to die to sin, right? What happens when you get an understanding of righteousness. When you believe on Jesus, Romans chapter 5, verse 17, if you look at it closely, talks about that you left the reign of sin and death and you came into the reign of grace and righteousness. But what happens when you do that is the first thing that happens, you, you begin to understand I'm, I'm dead to sin in Romans chapter 6. And as you identify with Jesus and what he did, you're dead to sin. But not only are you dead to sin, Romans chapter 7 talks about being dead to the law. 
So I died to sin, but I also died to the law. And a lot of people understand this death to sin principle, but they don't understand the death to the law. And just like we died to sin, we died to the law. And just like sin will hold you back, right? The Bible talks about we're, we're not, in Romans 6, we're not gonna, we don't want to live in sin anymore because we're free from it, right? We're dead to it. We have authority over it, and it'll kill you. That's Romans 6, right? Romans 7 says not only you die to sin, but you got to die to the law because just like sin will kill you, the law will kill you. And Paul says, I'm, I'm not only dead to sin, but we're de I'm, de I'm delivered from the law, and I'm dead to the law through the body of Christ. So I died to sin and I died to the law. That's so I can move on over into Romans 8, where there's no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus and begin to walk in the promises and walk in the blessings, my di divine rights and privileges. So the first thing that the gospel pre presents is the revelation of righteousness. Now, when you get born again, you are the very righteousness of God in Christ. And for a long time, a lot of people in the church did not understand this principle. But when we, when we study the gospel, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the good message of Jesus, for it's the power of God to salvation. Another word for salvation is deliverance or freedom to everyone who believes it. You've got to believe it to receive it to Jews and also to Gentiles for therein in the gospel, the righteousness of God has been revealed. If you have no revelation of righteousness, you have no revelation of the gospel. From faith to faith, from the faith of the Jew to the faith of the Gentile. So the gospel is the message of Jesus. The gospel is the revelation of righteousness. Now, when you begin to get a revelation of righteousness, a lot of you know my story, but when I was eight years old, I was born again, but it wasn't in a traditional church. It wasn't until I was 14 years old that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when I was back, two things happened to me when I, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Number one is the Word of God came alive to me. If you continue in the truth, if you continue in my Word, you'll be my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and it'll make you free. But number two I begin to get a revelation of who I was and what I had in Christ. And the first aspect of that revelation that I really begin to grasp was this. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And as a young man, I really struggled with identity. I really struggled with insecurity. But when I begin to understand that I am the righteousness of God in Christ, I didn't care who, what anybody said, and I didn't care what anybody else thought because I knew that God was pleased with me. And you gotta, you gotta constantly be reminded of that. You're not here to please all these different people. Right, in the world, for sure, you're, you're not even really here to please your mentors. You're here to please Jesus. And it's a lot easier to please Jesus than some people. I'll just tell you that. Amen. Faith pleases Jesus. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Amen. All right, so, so as, we, as we begin to understand this, you know, I'm the righteous of God. How did that happen? Or I'm, I'm in right standing with God. It happened like this. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made. See, it's not talking about something that we did, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So God, Jesus, who never sinned, became a sin offering for us so that we might be given his righteousness as a gift. 
See Romans 5, 17 again. Those who've received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness might reign in life through one Jesus Christ. We reign in life as kings. That's what happens. You begin to operate in authority when you begin to understand it. Okay, so you begin to understand that. So I am the righteousness of God, and the way that happened is I heard the message of Jesus. I heard that Jesus came from heaven and that, that he's, he was born on this earth and that, that he lived a sinless, holy, perfect, pure life, that he did no sin, and that he died on a cross for no sin of his own. He took my sins. He took your sins. He took the world's sins. He went to the grave. He conquered the devil. God raised him from the dead and made him Lord. And then he ascended into heaven and sent the Holy Spirit. I heard the gospel. So what happened when I heard the gospel, then it was it, once I hear the gospel, the, the ball has been placed in my court. The ball is in your court. It's your choice. That's why the Bible says this in Romans chapter 10, verse 8. The word is near you even in your heart and in your mouth. That is the word of faith that we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, you shall be delivered, you shall be free. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. The way I receive righteousness is I believe my way into it. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. Romans 10, 10. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So I, when I hear the gospel that Jesus died for my sins and he did no sin and God raised him from the dead and then he ascended and, and made him Lord and Jesus ascended into heaven and sent the Holy Spirit, I believe it. And I confess Jesus is Lord. My confessing Jesus is Lord doesn't make him Lord. God made him Lord when he raised him from the dead. But because I believe the gospel, I confess Jesus is Lord. Right? It's just, it's just the natural result of really believing something is you're going to speak it. Amen. If you believe you're blessed, you're going to say, I'm blessed. If you believe you're saved, you're going to say, I'm saved. Amen. Hallelujah. You, you just, your confession comes out of what you believe, Right? So you believed your way into, and when you did that, you left the kingdom of darkness and you came in, you were translated into the kingdom of the sons of God's love. Now, when you receive righteousness, so, so the way you receive righteousness is you believe, right? Standing with God is you believe on Jesus, right? And you confess that he's Lord. But not only when you receive, so that's the first thing, you receive righteousness by faith. But when you receive righteousness, righteousness becomes a foundation in your life for you to receive all of the promises of God. For instance, when you pray, what the devil likes to do is bring up the last bad thing you did or the last bad thing that you're conscious of that you did. And he wants you to beat your head. Now, when the devil reminds you of your past, just remind him of his future. Amen? Because his future is very bleak. Amen? Praise God. So he, he's trying, he wants to remind you. So when you get an understanding of righteousness, you say, oh, no, Mr. Devil, I'm not going there. That doesn't belong to me. That's not who I am. Jesus took all of my sin at the cross. He took all of my shortcomings at the cross. He took all of my misgivings at the cross. Because if, I were, if Lawson Purdue was getting what Lawson Purdue deserved, Lawson Purdue goes straight to hell, not even past go. 
But Lawson Purdue isn't getting what Lawson Purdue deserves. Lawson is getting what Jesus deserves. And you better hope you're getting what Jesus deserves. Amen? Hallelujah. So, so you receive righteousness by faith, but righteousness then becomes a foundation in your life to receive all the promises of God. And when you begin to pray to God, the number one thing the devil does is bring up what you did wrong last so he can try to beat you overhead and condemn you and keep you out of what God has for you. But when you begin to understand that you're the righteousness of God and it's not what you did, it's what Jesus did. You say, no, Mr. Devil, I'm blessed because Jesus took my poverty and became my provider. I'm healed because Jesus took my sickness, took stripes, took my sickness, became a curse. And I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. He is the Lord, my healer. Just like he's the Lord, my righteousness. He's the Lord, my provider. He's the Lord, my healer. He's the Lord, my peace. He's the Lord, my sanctification. He's the Lord, my who's always present. He's the Lord, my deliverer. He's, he, he, Jesus is Lord. There's a lot in that. Amen. So the first thing that happens is a revelation of righteousness. That helps you overcome sin. When you begin to overcome, understand you're the righteousness of God. You go out and start living like righteous. You were in darkness, but now you're light. Walk as children of the light. But the second thing that happens is not only do you begin to understand that, you begin to understand who you are and what you have in Christ. Hallelujah. Now turn with me to Galatians chapter 4, and let's look at Galatians chapter 4. Paul says this in Galatians chapter 4, beginning, we'll, we'll start reading in verse 3. Or four, verse four. No, verse three. Even so, we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world, the basic principles. He's talking about they were under the law. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. You see, because God gave authority to a man in the beginning, God had to get authority back through a man. So he sent Jesus as the perfect man. The first Adam failed because he sinned, and he brought all men into sin and death, but Jesus is the second Adam, and he did not fail. He sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. He says to redeem, to purchase those, to buy those back who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. So we're doubly secure in this new kingdom, in that we've been, number one, bought by his blood. Amen? But number two, not only have we been bought by his blood, we've been born into his family. So I'm a child of God, amen, because I've been first purchased by Christ's blood and second born into his family to purchase those who are under the law, to receive the adoption of sons. So there may be some unwanted children who were born, but there are no unwanted adoptions. And he says this because, he goes on to say in verse 6, because your sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Daddy God, I'm crying out to God, Daddy God, Abba Father. Wherefore, you are no more a servant. And this is where I wanted to go. Verse 7, you're no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. 
And what God really wanted to do, he wanted to take you out of a law system and bring you into a grace kingdom. And when Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 34, verse 35, when he says this, he says, the servant, right? Let's go back to John chapter 8 and just look at this really quickly. He says in John 8, verse 35, the servant does not abide in the house forever, but the son abides forever. What he's, what he's really saying is a slave doesn't really have a right to the things that are in the father's house. But a son has a right to what's in the house. And the Old Testament, the law, made us slaves. In fact, if you understand it, the Old Testament was slavery. There was bondage in the law. It made slaves. The, the Gospels, Jesus said, greater love has no man than this. Then he laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I tell you. But then in it, you move over into the epistles, and now you're no longer slaves. So it went from slavery to friendship to sonship. You are children. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God. The servant doesn't abide in the house forever. Right? But the son abides forever. So how's this work in the real world? Well, think about a plantation in the Old Testament or in, in the... United States of America in the, in the days of slavery. And, and the, the master, he lives in this great, you know, beautiful, big place, big pillars. It's nice, right? His slave does a really good job. In fact, he does a phenomenal job one day, one week, one month. The master calls him in, sits him down, has dinner with him, eats his steak. But at the end of the day, where's the slave go? He goes back to the back 40. He goes back to this a little shanty right where the slaves live, because he's still a slave. The servant doesn't abide in the house forever, but the son abides forever. In fact, the son, he, he, even if he's not that good a boy, he still lives in the father's house because he's a son. He was born in the house. And what's in the house belongs to him. Okay, another example, Bonanza, Hoss Cartwright. Some of you remember Bonanza, the Wild West. Hoss lives in a big, nice ranch house, right, with his sons. But then they got these ranch hens, and the ranch hens live in a bunkhouse. Now, I don't know if you know what a bunkhouse is, but I grew up in eastern Colorado on the prairie, and I understand what a bunkhouse is. And it's maybe 12 or 15 feet, you know why, you know, 16 feet long. They got about eight bunks in there, six, eight bunks. They got a, a, a wood burning stove right in the middle. And, and you know, if you're a really good ranch hen, you come down, you sit down with Hoss and his sons, have a good steak dinner, have a prime rib, but then you go back to the bunkhouse because you are not a son, you are a slave. But Jesus came to take you out of the slaves' quarters and put you in the master's quarters. Jesus came to take you out of the bunkhouse and put you in the ranch house. Now, how's it work in reality, okay? I grew up in southeast Colorado. We had county people grade our, our road. There was a right way and a wrong way to do it, and my dad knew it, so he would talk to them and say, now, don't do it like this, if they did a real good job. 
My dad gave him a Coke and a candy bar. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say, hey, you guys are doing a great job. <laughs> you know, it's his uh, way of, that's a big deal for my dad to do. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. But at the end of the day, they worked for the county, right? He was who he was. Anyway, I grew up in my house. But in my house, one day, one of my sons, and I've got very good boys, but one day, one of them got in trouble at school. And mama called me. I was at the office, and I said, listen, I'll deal with that when I got to get home. Anyway, I was late. I was busy. I got home late. And I get home, and here's my son sitting at my table when he'd been a bad boy eating a ribeye steak. And I'm thinking, he ain't getting that ribeye steak because of what he did. He getting that ribeye steak because of who he is. And maybe he's a bad boy, but he's still my son. Amen? And when you're a son, listen, you, you pray a different way, right? In fact, sometimes you don't even ask. My sons come to my house. Do you know what? It's a, Pastor Lawson's still conservative, right? It's a big deal if Pastor Lawson buys a dollar drink. It's a big deal, right? It's in the back of the refrigerator. Damon Peterson, who helps me, they used to have these, they quit doing this, but they had these dollar burritos at Taco Bell. And I'd go over there and I'd go, give me two of them dollar burritos. In fact, I was talking to Tanya's cousin, who is an investment guy. <laughs> he, he was telling me, I, I was ordering while I was there. He said, you sound just like me. I imagine he's pretty well off. <laughs> Praise God. Give me two of them dollars. And, and Damon, who's my financial guy, said, Pastor Lawson, you'd be better to eat that dollar than to eat that burrito you're eating. <laughs> I thought they were good, but they got rid of them. Inflation hit. You know, they printed a bunch more money. This is what they haven't told you about what happened in the pandemic, but they printed twice as much money as America ever had. So everything of value is going to get worth twice as much money. So, right, good houses, good real estate, good property, good stock company, it's eventually long-term just going to get worth more. So I'm not a doom and gloomer. And I'm not going to be a doom and gloomer because it doesn't work out well. Okay? <laughs> I'll stop right there. I better stop in trouble. <laughs> Jesus. The servant doesn't abide forever. So my son comes to my house. Sometimes he don't even ask. He goes and finds my secret stash, grabs it out there, takes it. I come ask mama, mama, where'd that go? Well, the boy's been home. <laughs> oh, just go buy some more. It's all right. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. But why? Because if, see, when you begin to understand that you're a son and no longer a slave, you quit begging. You quit crying these crocodile tears. I had somebody call me the other day. What do you want me to do? You want me to cry? No. Because it ain't going to make me feel bad. Because your life's in the way it is because the mess you made and the decisions you made. So if you quit crying about it, start, start taking responsibility and start believing God, your life can get better. Because God, listen, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's no respecter of persons. He's just a respecter of faith. 
So your life get better when you quit whining and crying and belly aching and complaining, Pastor Lawson, and start rejoicing. Joy is the evidence of faith. Amen. And thanking God. And, and you pray in a different way. Why? Because you understand you're no longer a slave, but you're a son. So Jesus came to take you out of this law system and bring you into the grace kingdom. Everybody say, a grace kingdom. I'm part of the grace kingdom, not part of the law system. That means it's not what you did, it's what he did. And what Jesus began to preach to them was the gospel. Number one, you can be free from sin. But number two, you can be free from the law. And it's only through me. It's only through the gospel that you can be free. And when you start believing the gospel, it, it has the power to revolutionize your life. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power. It releases the power of God to salvation, to wholeness, to freedom in every realm and every area to everybody who believes it. And it'll give you a revelation of righteousness, but it'll also give you a revelation of who you are and what you have in Christ. You're no longer a slave, but you're a son. Now, I'll just give you a couple more scriptures and then I'll quit. Go with me to Colossians chapter 1 and read Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Actually, we'll start in verse 12. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, and, and then we'll read on down through verse 14. The Colossians 1 verse 12 says this, giving thanks unto the Father who made us meet, that's an old English word, means sufficient to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. One translation says he qualified us for his best blessing. Say, I'm qualified for God's best blessings. I am qualified. Why are you qualified? Because the blood of Jesus qualified you. Then he says this in verse 13, who has delivered, who has freed us from the power, from the authority, from the dominion of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, of the sons of his love. God is my father and he loves me and he's good to me because I'm his child. I'm God's child. I'm in God's family. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Give good things to those who ask him. I've been set free. I've been delivered from the authority, from the dominion, from the power of darkness and translated. He came to what? Free us from the lost system and bring us into the grace kingdom in whom we have redemption through his blood. I've been redeemed by his blood, even <laughs> the forgiveness of sins. Forget your forgiveness has already been paid for. You're already forgiven. It's already been done. Ephesians 1, 7 says this, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches, the ultimate wealth of his grace. Can I give you one more kingdom, one more scripture? He came to take you out of the law system and bring you into the grace kingdom. Hebrews chapter 13, we'll read two verses, verse 9 and verse 10. Be not carried away 
about with divers and strange doctrines. Some people talking about this demon, that demon, the other demon. Funny doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. Get established in grace. Not with meats, not with performance, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Legalism will not profit you. We have an altar, therefore, that they have no right to eat at which serve. Those priests who serve in the tabernacle do not even have right to eat at the altar. What's the altar represent? Approach into the presence of God. Who is the altar? Jesus. We come through Jesus. Hallelujah. We're saved because of Jesus. We're blessed because of Jesus. We're healed because of Jesus. Amen. We have peace because of Jesus. If therefore the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So Jesus came to take you out of this lost system <laughs> and bring you into a grace kingdom. And the way freedom comes is, number one, through believing, continuing in, knowing, and walking in, right? The truth. But freedom comes, number two, through understanding the gospel. The gospel is the message of Jesus. And not only is it the message of Jesus, it's the message of who you became in Jesus and what you've been given in Jesus Christ. Love you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.